we're we're going to get a little serious this this uh this hour this half hour just because there's an article that came out in uh JS online and it's John Dietrich and he wrote this fast he's an investigative reporter for the paper and he wrote this fascinating article gun deaths are rising in Wisconsin suicide in rural areas are a big part of the picture and the opening line i think is fantastic when you think about gun deaths in Wisconsin what comes to mind? So he did this whole, I think it took him like a year to put this article together. But John, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having me, Carol. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's talk about this because, I mean, obviously mental health issues, mental health is at the top of everybody's agenda at this particular juncture. And it's something that's probably going to come into play really heavily during the next election year. So tell us what we're looking at here in Wisconsin. Well, as you, as you said at the beginning of the, the, our piece, um, the, the question that, that I was sort of addressing here was, you know, what comes to mind when you think about gun deaths? And, you know, I've, I've, I've been at the paper for almost 20 years and written a lot of uh, pieces um, that covered gun deaths, and you know, primarily they focus in on homicide and they accidents and police shootings. Those are sort of the three that come to mind. And generally, in the Milwaukee areas, is where that sort of stuff sort of pops out. And um, but when I started looking at the data, and we really looked uh, statewide, what you see is a, a much different picture. That in fact, in Wisconsin, 71 of 100 gun deaths are suicide. Um, and so it's uh, those three categories that I mentioned at the beginning, uh, they don't account for uh, even a third uh, of the gun deaths. And so what the, the, the map, so to, so to speak, really changes, especially when you adjust for population. You see Milwaukee is not number one for gun deaths in the state. John, going into this reporting, that, that 71 out of 100 uh, gun deaths or suicides, that that really jumped out to me when you were going into reporting these stories. I guess is were you shocked by that number? Is that kind of on par with what you were thinking it was going to be? It really did surprise me, Mike. I mean, I, you know, I had sort of heard this sense, but traditionally we don't um, write about suicide. And I should say here, right off at the top, um, that if anybody out there is having uh, thoughts or suicidal thoughts, I always want to recommend nine eight eight. Uh, the, the lifeline um, that you can dial anywhere here in Wisconsin or nationwide. Um, but it was a surprise to me, the numbers that 71 runs a little bit higher than state or uh, the national averages, uh, which are in the fifties, generally 50, about half. But I, I knew this, but we don't write about it very often. And there's some really good reasons why we don't write about suicide. Um, things, this concept of ideation and, um, but what that does, and I was talking to a, a guy I used to cover the military, and I was talking to a former intelligence officer who's you know become a friend years later, and he said, "What you guys do is you you will write about the unusual, you know, which is the the news sort of side, and you sort of suppress or don't write about the usual." And so people, our readers and listeners and so forth, get the impression that the world is different than really what it is, and I think that's really true in this case that. Because we don't hear about suicide, unless, unless it's in your personal experience, you don't hear about it in the media and so forth, this number is just really surprising that it's just much more uh, common to be a, a suicide issue. All right. What I, is there an area in the state where this is more prevalent 
and that surprised you? Well, yeah. So when you go, uh, so again, if, if you just look at homicide, uh, police shootings and accidents, and, and again, accidents, we write a lot about those and they are, they are super tragic. They are preventable and they're like 1% of the deaths. So just to kind of give people a sense of how rare those are, police shootings, 2%. Um, <clears throat> so again, but the focus is in Milwaukee, but if you change and, and adjust, uh, then you see uh, counties like Iron County, Wood County, uh, Rust County, those counties, which are in the northern part of the state, uh, which tend to um, have larger uh, populations, indigenous populations um, that have uh, been hit really hard by suicide, particularly gun suicide. We see areas of the state where we know also that gun ownership is high um, among hunters. And um, so when we got into this, the idea was to really, uh, you know, get curious and be what I would say invitational rather than, um, you know, sort of sometimes a scolding or sort of shaming nature comes in this coverage. And, and I'm not throwing shade on, on colleagues. I've done this for 20 years. So this is my own coverage that I'm, that I'm just sort of looking at. And what we tried to do was really talk to people out state uh, about what's going on, how they've affected it, 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 and also how they found some hope in this, that there are there is within um, and among gun owners an effort to recognize what's going on with the suicide issue and start talking about it more openly uh, amongst themselves. We're talking to John Dietrich from investigative reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and we're talking about his Beautiful and well-written article about gun deaths rising in Wisconsin. Suicide in rural areas are a big part of the picture. John, stick around. We're going to take. We're going to kind of um, pick your brain a little bit more about this issue. But it is nine forty-two. I'm Carol Kane. Mike Spalding filling in for Steve Scafidi. The old National Bank talk and text line is eight five five six one six one six twenty. If you have a, a question for John or a comment, um, so stick around, John. We'll be right back. We're going to take a break. 9.46 on WTMJ AM 620. I am Carol Kane. I'm joined by Mike Spaulding. We're filling in for Steve Scafidi until he gets back from vacation. That's going to be tomorrow. And we're talking about a very, it's very difficult subject matter. And John Dietrich did this great article for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about gun deaths and suicide being on the rise in the state of Wisconsin. So we've got John on the, uh, on the phone right now. And John, what I, what I found fascinating was how the gun dealers and gun shows are dealing with these mental health issues. Can you explain what they're doing? Yeah, the, I appreciate you raising that. So, so there's this effort that um, I wasn't aware of until I started this reporting. It's called the Gun Shop Project, and it's a grassroots effort among gun shops here in Wisconsin and, in fact, in two dozen other states Um to be a location where people could, uh, gun owners could bring, uh, guns, um, to, to essentially check them in or have them be held by the gun store in a time of distress. This is actually something that happens a lot among gun owners, sort of informally, uh, families, uh, when somebody, uh, might be going through a difficult time, uh, when somebody's getting later in life, maybe dementia is a factor and so forth. 
where this is a, 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 a sort of hold my guns uh, sort of uh, action. And, and uh, gun stores, we have 40 of them in the state. Uh, and you can go to uh, our website, uh, JS Online, and look on the story that I wrote about Chuck Lovelace in Park Falls, who spearheaded this. Uh, so that's an effort going on right now. And there's, there's also a conversation at the gun show level. I, I did a feature uh, in this project. We did a series of features about people affected. And a couple of the people I talked to, was one of them was a former gun importer. And what he's done is he really felt moved. He sold his business and he founded an organization called Walk the Talk America, which really gets open and honest among gun owners to say, let's start talking about mental health. There is a, a, you know, among sort of everyday people, there might be a reluctance to go talk to a mental health therapist. And what this guy, Mike Sedini, who's from Nevada, spends a lot, comes to Wisconsin a lot because of the Concealed Carry Association here in uh, West Bend. But he just described, hey, among gun owners, we need to have a conversation gun owner to gun owner about, hey, if you're struggling, um, you need to tell somebody and you need to separate from lethal means in that time, because it isn't that gun owners are more prone um, to things like breakups or a child dying or some some crisis or mental illness, but it's the means by which uh, to to make a permanent sort of decision or action in that case. That separation in time and space is so important that can make the difference between life and death. John, I thought that part of your story was so interesting, and I'm glad you brought it up. The the, the interview and the feature piece you did with Chuck was, uh, it, I was like enraptured by reading this, and it was some something that came up when I was thinking about it was, you know, this is a, a discussion about gun safety. I don't want to use the word gun control, but that doesn't include you know, the government that doesn't include real activist groups. It was a community kind of recognizing, right, that there was an issue and taking it upon themselves to address it. So so bigger picture, when you were doing this series of reports, it, has it sparked any action, whether it's at the state government level or the federal government level, or is it just kind of some of these gun shops taking it upon themselves to, to bring up and discuss an issue that, that really is kind of a pandemic in and of itself? Well, that's really interesting, Mike. So this effort was was ongoing. Uh, again, a grassroots effort that started uh, through um, uh, through Chuck Lovelace and Gene Papelia, former uh, Madison police officer, came, came up with the the idea of, uh, inspired by New Hampshire, where the where the project started. And so it's been going on for a while. The VA in Milwaukee is promoting it because veterans are a big category that are concerning. 22 veterans a day dying by suicide in the country uh, and a higher percentage by firearms. So the VA is very involved with this. But, you know, the question was, well, could the government come in? And there has been a bill in Madison that's that's uh, been proposed uh, three different times. And it's had bipartisan support and it has not moved forward for various reasons. But it's interesting. And, and as I talked to the gun store owners, their point was, we don't really need, uh, I mean, the, what this would do is help uh, subsidize safes for stores that might not be able to have a designated safe for this sort of purpose. But there also was a, a sense of like, hey, this is kind of working okay, so maybe we should just let this be what it is, which is a grassroots effort. And, you know, something that Jean Papalia, again, the cop from Madison, retired police officer from Madison, said is she said this is really multifaceted and complex. So you, when you think of gun deaths, a suicide and a homicide are two different things. It's complicated. So the approach that you might go, there might be a government approach. There might be a grassroots approach. There might be a combination. But as Gene said, I mean, 
what she had hoped in this and participating is, is this would be a conversation starter. And I think sometimes we sort of simplify things and social media might do that a little bit, that if, if we just did this one thing, well, it's complicated. And as Jean said, we can take on complicated things, but the solutions and potential solutions are probably going to be complicated, multifaceted, like the problem is. We're talking to John Dietrich from the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel about his uh, article about gun deaths and suicide on the rise here in the state of Wisconsin. My question for you, John, is... Uh, and if we are a person in crisis, we should, could, uh, you can text 988, right? That's what, that's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me yeah. ask you this. As friends and families of people, if we see something happening that doesn't sit right with us, how do we intervene? Mm, this is a really powerful question and an important one. I think what happens in this case, and I talked to a, uh, 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 a guy in, in Green Bay is a retired um, soldier, and he does this all the time, Mike Eschinger. A- actually, he gets calls all the time from, from soldiers, and he's been can, uh, trained in technique by which there's, there's a, a program called QPR that is available for people that you can train and understand recognizing when the signs are there and when somebody might be making a joke about something, but it's maybe not a joke. Sometimes it might be but how you can step into this. And um, there's some really good material. If you go online and, and look up QPR, and we have links to that in our story, where you can inform yourself to say, hey, you know, notice when things are happening. There are some telltale signs. And also notice that in that particular case, to step in and have that, you know, maybe difficult conversation that you want. And Mike says, you know, like to ask the question that he doesn't really want to ask. But is, are you thinking of taking your life? And, you know, and then what means do you have? And he's particularly, he's a gun owner, and he's particularly focused on firearms because of how lethal they are. And, and not to diminish other means and the, the, um, uh, the lethal means of firearms uh, really raises it. But I think, it's, I think it's difficult because it puts a lot of sort of pressure on us. But I think we can be proactive, like in the same way that you think about you know, CPR and things like that, that there are things that we can do to inform ourselves to be on the lookout for friends and family um, who might be going through a hard time and, and need help and need need an ear and, and somebody who is knowledgeable about this. I guess, you know, this phrase is used all the time, but it really does apply in this particular situation. If you see something, say something, Right. I mean, even if you have to physically go in, if you know somebody who's in crisis and encourage them to text 911, but if they are in crisis, I almost as an individual would like to go and remove the firearm from the household so they don't even have access to it. Well, and that's, you know, and that's a, um, I, I think that that's an instinct that others that I talked to had. It's interesting. I talked to Debbie Trader. So Debbie Trader has been in suicide prevention work for two decades. She lives in Wausau. She and her husband, she's had guns her whole life. And, um, you know, what she did and what she's done is that she, she went, she and her husband went to a friend's house one night of somebody who was in crisis and they just, they just sat with them and they spent the time. They didn't rush to, okay, we need to get the guns out of the house or we need to get you into, you know, there was discussion of, uh, do you want to go in someplace to get help? That, 
that's a sort of an important thing. There's, there's sort of a very immediate sense, though, to be with a person at that point and, and not, to, not to hesitate to call 911 and law enforcement if it's, if it's a situation at that level. But what happened with Debbie in that case is that she and her husband sat with this friend for hours. And at dawn, they, they had a discussion and the person was, uh, was agreeable. It, I think it's really important to respect the autonomy and the decision making as much as possible of the individual. There is a place uh, for things like, um, you know, emergency detention and things like that where law enforcement comes in. And again, I just urge people to do that. But, but for the most part, this kind of help is a voluntary thing. And you want, as Dr. Emmy Betts from Denver talked about, the autonomy of the patient is really important to respect because that's the best chance that somebody's help is going to be able to, you know, to, to be most effective is when you seek that help voluntarily. And it's really important to create some time and space from lethal means in the time of a crisis. John Dietrich with the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And I, I want to thank you for addressing this very serious, very timely kind of uh, subject matter because it is something that we really, really do need to focus on. It's, a very, it's very difficult to talk about, but thank you for at least starting the conversation. And, John, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I think it's a really important, and I just feel really blessed to be able to do this work uh, through the journal Sentinel and, and just for all the people who trusted me to tell their stories in this, in this project. It's, it's just been, it's just been very humbling and I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you, John.